Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right and head to Twisted Willow Soap Company and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. When we illuminate the road back to our ancestors, they have a way of reaching out, of manifesting themselves, sometimes even physically. Welcome to Working with Ancestors, the 67th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 21st century journalist Raquel Cepeda. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And here we are, mm-hmm. on a Saturday, sipping mead, watching the crazed cat. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the cat, yeah. Yep. Just jumping around from spot to spot. So, new patrons? Any new patrons uh, this week? We, do, we have one new cat. Oh. No, no, one new kitten. Aww. We love so, you, kittens. Greetings yep. to our newest kitten. Yes. Yep. Whosoever they may be. That's right. right. So, true. next Saturday, mm-hmm. from noon to... Five? Yeah, to five, probably, we will be at Arts and Craft, where we will be doing uh, psychic readings as part of a psychic fair there. There's going to yep. be a lot of cool readers, so if you're in the area, feel free to come by. And you can check out our Arts and Craft if right? you have If you've it. not I mean, been there before. If you've not been there before, and obviously you've probably heard of them before because we talk about arts and crafts all the time. But you can also look up the store on artsandcraft.com. Yes. Yeah, they have an online store uh, that ships really fast. Yep. Yeah. If you do come by the store and Gwen and Ode are busy, I will show you around the store. Yeah. So you can get the the three part. tour. Yeah, and it's a psychic fair, so there's going to be a lot of different readers there. There's going to be artisans there. It should be a really fun time. Kobe's there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah. Kobe's great. So Kobe is the Poisoner's Apothecary, mm-hmm. yep, who so uh, you can also read stuff on Patheos from. Yeah. Yep. You can look it up on uh, Facebook if you're really interested in who else is going to be there. Yeah. It'll be on the Arts and Craft Facebook page. That's yep. right. All right. So this is the Working with Ancestors episode. It's the last one of our mm-hmm. pseudo series, which has included episodes about the gods and spirits and ancestors, and then follow-up episodes about working with gods, spirits, and now ancestors. That's right. The first thing I guess we should cover is ancestor shrines and altars, because that's where a lot of people are yep. doing that kind of mm-hmm. work. Well, I know that for me, I haven't done a lot of work with ancestors Right, you didn't start until relatively recently. It was actually last year when we moved into yeah. this house because you had... I think it was a little, actually a little bit before that because we kind of considered it in the old apartment. Oh, that's true. To be, your photo of your dad. Yep. Oh, that's right. Which yes. was on... And you also had a candle there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, that's a good It really point. started in the old place and it kind of... It's it, it, it significantly evolved. grew. It evolved. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. The first ancestor altar that I created was... 
in honor of my father because right. he had just passed in uh, 2017, January. Yeah. And why don't you go ahead and describe what that looked like? Because it was small and yeah. simple, but it was like it did the job. It, so. it absolutely did the job. I created it because I wanted to have a remembrance of him. Mm-hmm. Um, my father and I didn't have a terribly close relationship, but I, I wanted to honor his memory in some way. So what I did was I got one of those photo frames that is... Yeah, one of those digital Digital. digital. Yeah. That's right. I got a digital photo frame and got a picture, you know, off of Facebook that I had of my dad. Had car program it for me because I couldn't have to figure out how to make the stupid thing work. Neither could I. It was a very badly programmed digital frame. It really was. <laughs> and then I placed that in the area that where I could see it every mm-hmm. day. And then I included some flowers and I found a rainbow candle yeah. to put in front of it. Right. And then every year on his birthday, I light the candle for the full day. But it was nice because I put it in a place where I literally saw it every day. So every day I was thinking about my father and saying good morning and I love you and I miss you and things like that. And so it was incredibly meaningful to me to have that ancestor shrine, if you will, Mm -hmm. that shrine to my dad or that altar for my dad. And then when we moved here, I was like, well, let's expand it. Right. Because you were already doing ancestor yeah. worship and veneration in your own space. Yeah, in my room. In your Yeah. And so in our previous home, we had an open altar space. Yeah. And when we moved here, we had a much larger place where we could have not only our public altar, but we could have an actual dedicated area for... A dedicated ancestor. Ancestor right. altar. Yeah. Yeah, we so, basically have one room that's this pretty just much, altars. It's that's all just altars. It's yeah. all altars and ritual room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, it's it's a nice it's nice to have that. And so we've expanded it to include grandparents mm-hmm. and great grandparents and. And we found stuff. some photos of older ancestors, like of people I didn't personally know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we were able to put up on the walls around the altar, mm-hmm. and it's got more candles now. It's got that's a right. bell. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. We've it's kind of accumulated things. Mm-hmm. As it's over the year mm-hmm. that has been appropriate to add to it. And I see Finn saying digital frame is a brilliant idea. My ancestor altar space is limited. So having mm-hmm. that could add more ancestors. Exactly. That's exactly right. And in fact, that was one of the reasons why I got it was that my mother is not going to live forever. Yep. Right. And so my thought was at the time to eventually just continue to add more photos mm-hmm. and just have it on a constant a loop. Loop. Right. Because you can set those digital frames to sort of shuffle. Yep. You can set them to shuffle. You can set them to be static Mm -hmm. on one photo. So it's really actually nice. And my ancestor altar to my dad was a very small space. Oh, it was. It was extremely contained. Extremely contained. I think it was on our main altar at the time. No, it wasn't. It was actually on one of those little lamps. Oh, my gosh. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lamp that That has has shelves. shelves. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was on that. So it was that. a little like one by one foot square. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But it was perfect for what right. I needed at the time. Yep. So if you are, yes, if you are, if you have a limited space, using a digital frame is a great way to access. To honor multiple and answers. honor can, multiple answers. Can I just say though, please don't buy the cheapest frame you can find because they're really hard to program. Rana said, I always struggled with electronics on my altar, but I guess there's no reason to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that like electronics 
electronics are pretty much my life. So <laughs> if mm-hmm. my altar could be all electronics, I would be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Sort of can be. Yeah. But I did have it on our, for about a year until, yeah. <laughs> until the cat noticed it. We did have that electronic frame on our larger altar. Yeah. And I never felt like it was distracting. Distracting. Or, unbalancing. Yeah. Unbalancing yeah. in any no. way. Yeah. No. But maybe great. because I'd already been using it as a kind of altar for like a year or two before it yeah. even got here. Yeah, maybe. That's possible. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the only purpose to which that frame has ever been put. Exactly. Right. You know, it, it is never, never used for anything else. Nope. It has never been used for anything else and it never will be. It will yeah. always be. Right. For its purpose is to honor my dad. To honor ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. at that point it becomes a ritual tool essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. It's just an electronic ritual tool. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So don't let space, don't yeah. let whether you have the photos, if you don't have the physical photos but can get copies of digital, digital images, yep. don't let having an electronic frame stop you from creating an yep. altar. The other thing is there are no rules for what an ancestor altar has to look like, right? right. Unless, Unless you're you in a, a tradition specific, yeah. where there are established procedures, like in um, in Santeria, I think mm-hmm. they have like a really like standard, this is what an ancestor altar looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're just making one for yourself, you very much just sort of follow your intuition. If you can't have photos on there, oh well. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Like you don't have to. Find things that that's, are... That's typical. It's mm-hmm. typical to have that because it helps you connect with the ancestor, but you don't have to. Lucas M. says, I don't have a lot of photos, so I use river stones as representations with their names written on them and a few for the ones I don't know, and I keep them in a wooden bowl. I that's love really, that. That's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's a really, really good solution to yeah. not having representations. Right. Lucas, I may steal that idea from you because I don't have pictures of, of a all, lot of my yeah. great-grandparents. Exactly. Right. Can there are other solutions. Yep. Yeah. You can be creative and come up with painted rocks with their names yep. on it. I think that's well, great. And, like, I just, I have a stone that I have on my personal ancestor altar that is just standing in for all the ancient ancestors. Mm-hmm. It's a fossil. And it stands in for all the all ancient the ancestors. ancestors whose names I don't know and can't know. I like that idea. Because I can't have photos of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know their names and I never will. Right. Right? So, right. but I want them to have a thing on my altar that represents them, so I use this piece of fossil. So Rana said, I recently had somebody holler at me for honoring ancestors on my altar who would never have approved of a pagan altar. Yeah, I hear this sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? I, I've gotten this question myself. Okay, and I have a question for Rana real quick before we delve into this. Uh-huh. Is this the person that hollered at you? Is that a person person or is that an ancestor coming to you going, hey? Right. So That's an important that distinction. That is an important yeah. distinction. Rana yes. is typing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, is, is, it's a very important. Mm-hmm. That's very important. It's a, a, per- a person, person person. My okay. ancestors fucking love being here and being honored. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'd say. Yeah. Like, that's been my experience. I haven't had any of the ancestors... Here's what I'll say. None of the ancestors who've shown up at my altar have shown up to tell me to stop honoring them. And let me put it this way, too. As in my work as a psychic medium, when I'm talking to people who their mother or their father, Mm -hmm. their great-grandparents who were Christian come and, and speak with them and they confirm, yes, this is my mom, this mm-hmm. is my dad, this is my aunt. And then they'll ask me, well, they were a Christian. Why is this, you know, okay right. now? Things are just different. Right. <laughs> when you're dead. When you're dead. Yeah. Things are just Rana different. just said that. I think the physical threads we make up in this world are different in the afterworld. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That has been my 
experience with spirit beings who have crossed over. It's just these types of religious ties aren't as strong anymore. Right. For some, they may be. Right. There are some who are like, no, I'm going to go to my no, Christian heaven. No, thank yeah. you. Right. I'm not and being involved. And that's okay. Rana says, but familial ties are even stronger sometimes across the veil. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely are. So that's why I think a lot of times a daughter, a son, or whoever will, will have their Christian family member mm-hmm. come to them in a reading or they have dreams of them mm-hmm. or they sense their presence very strongly in their home and it's confusing to them. And it, it's because, as Rana was saying, it's those family ties. Yeah, Finn was saying that he was scared to put uh, one of his grandmothers on his altar because they were a diehard Christian, but she's the one who visits the most. Exactly. Yeah. So will there be some ancestors who just don't come to the altar? Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Will it be because of their religious faith? Who fucking knows? They're not showing up, so they can't tell you. The ancestors who come to my altar have never done it to tell me to stop. And when I had, let me put it this way, when I had that silent supper with my with my ancestors, I had ancestors that showed up who've never showed up before. Yeah. And I yeah, you had a whole family reunion. I had a whole family reunion on both sides. And so I really honestly think it's because I've been maintaining mm-hmm. this family connection through this altar yep. for the last year. You've been right. doing that ancestor been, work. You've been exactly. building up that those relationships. Mm-hmm. You've made that space welcoming. Exactly. I think that's why that is happening more and more for me. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, I didn't get any visitors from, from my own family yeah. with the exception of one of my grandmothers. Yeah. And that was it. Yes, he makes me want to actually do more of that because... There are some people that you would like to contact. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. One in particular. Yes, well, <laughs> one in particular ancestor that you would like to talk to. Yes, yeah. And I think it does require putting that time and yeah. energy because if last year we did, we got set up for the silent supper and that particular ancestor did come through with a message for you and it was very emotional and hard for you. Yeah. So, but you hadn't gotten to the place where you wanted to create an ancestor altar and create that right. connection. Mm-hmm. So I think you definitely... Those times. Yeah. yeah, it's you definitely have to go through a process of being ready and yeah. doing that. Yeah, because it's going to be super emotional. Oh yeah, that. yeah. So and that's part of it is it's going to you're, you're going to essentially have to go through a whole grief process. <laughs> right, that, right. Which I didn't get to experience exactly because you were a child. A child, yeah, yeah. And so you just never and not allowed to do certain exactly. things uh, because toxic of my masculinity parents. and that's yeah. well, right. yeah, yeah. It was basically you know you don't get to go up and see the body yeah. because mm-hmm. you know it would be embarrassing for you and for him. Mm-hmm. Like I was ten. Yeah. Like, so you didn't you didn't get to grieve yeah. the way you needed to. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's why creating that little tiny altar for my father was so therapeutic for me. Because as I said, he and I didn't have a great relationship mm-hmm. with him. I was able to go see him a few months before he died, which kind of reestablished our connection then. And we got to say a lot of things to each other that we might not have said. Yeah, and it was just a couple of years before that that we spent a night at his mm-hmm, house too mm-hmm. you and I did exactly yeah you so, had sort of you had started sort to of rebuild to rebuild that connection with him before he got ill yeah I do believe that creating that ancestor altar in honor of him helped me kind of grieve and, and process that yeah. mm-hmm. you know yeah because you were really struggling with your grief for a while there mm-hmm. over your dad I remember yeah. and you did the making that altar was definitely part of the the process the, the, healing, the, process, process. the healing process for yeah, you yeah. absolutely honestly I think it's one of the best things I could have done to help that process was to have an established place where I could say, okay, this is where I can go. I can talk to my dad. And it just really helped. Yeah. So Ron had said, I do have one ancestor 
who has come around every now and then, but I've refused a place on my altar to. I sometimes wonder if that is a mistake, but then I get over it. <laughs> that sounds like Rana. And um, that sounds like me. <laughs> but that would be so, a hard one yeah, for that's me. So yeah, it's hard. I, there are sort of two directions you can go on this one, right? Mm-hmm. If it's an ancestor who was abusive or negative uh, in some way and who you're just choosing not to associate with, especially mm-hmm. if they're still mm-hmm. being problematic after their death, mm-hmm. right. I can understand wanting to set those boundaries and just saying, no, I'm not going to work with you. And that's, you know, you're well within your right to do that. Absolutely. However, the other side of that is that the dead do still grow and change sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And if this ancestor ancestor is coming to you willing to put the work in and do that Again, you don't have an obligation to help them do that work Mm-mm. because your your boundaries are important. You're the living person here. <laughs> but I would say that's a, that's a possibility. Maybe not in your specific circumstance, but Rana says he wants forgiveness, but I don't know if I'm willing to do that yet. So and here's what okay. I'd say. That's okay. Here's what I'll say about forgiveness. Everyone's really up on forgiveness, and I think it's overhyped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Forgiveness is something you should do because you need to do it, not because the they need person. you to do it. Do it. I tell people yep. that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. So I if you're not same. if you're not ready to forgive this ancestor, do not. Exactly. I think though there's a difference between forgiveness and maybe understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you I can, think you, you can, can have can, compassion. You right. can not be forgiven. Exactly. Correct. Yes. Exactly. You can have compassion for somebody who's in an area that you just can't get past, mm-hmm. but still have compassion for them being stuck in that area. Yeah. I think it would be really hard for me. Part of this is like I don't really experience much of this shit. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I just it's not a big part of my life. I'm so busy doing with work and that can, right yeah. doing mundane things that, that I don't right, to, to, to find a pattern in to all get of a this. Rhythm. And so. But with that said, I think if an ancestor came to me, and I I can think of one in particular right now that I would be... Like, not real pleased with. Mm-hmm. But I think I would, like... A current ancestor or a future ancestor? No, 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 no. This is somebody who's long okay. long, long gone. Actually, the one I would love to be in contact with's father. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think it would be very hard for me to deal with him. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to know what the fuck was going on. Right. What was up with that? Right. What was up with that? So, I think, to some extent, I would use it as a, a learning thing right. for me. while in, even engaging, maybe, engaging with him on... On your terms. Right, exactly. Yes, yep. Lucas has yep. made a really good point. Yeah. Some of my ancestors were unsavory, but they are the reason I'm here, so I honor that. But I don't interact with them. I think honoring and working with is different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's why I say compassion and, and forgiveness are different. Very yeah. different things. Yeah. Exactly. And there are there are people, you know, in my ancestry that I would not choose to work with. And you know what? Because I'm a white person, there are so many people in my ancestry who my forgiveness isn't right. Relevant. Mm-hmm. It's the forgiveness of a whole other class of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who yeah. are not obligated to do that. Exactly. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if an ancestor is coming to you and all they want is forgiveness, that mm-hmm. should not be their end goal. No, it shouldn't. Right? Right. Like, right. if they're coming to you and they want to do the work, that's another thing. If right. they're coming to you and they're like, I would like to be a better ancestor. I would like to recover from the shitty things I did in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But coming to you and saying, I want forgiveness so I feel better, exactly. that is not where it stops. No. Right. And, and I, that is equally true with living people, by exactly, the way. Exactly. Yeah. I do not agree with this philosophy that you have to forgive Mm-mm. 
You don't. You absolutely don't. You can do what feels right for you, and boundaries are a good thing. Yes. And sometimes you just have to hold on to those boundaries. Yeah. Yep. With the living and the dead. Exactly. <laughs> so I have this question because I don't know, because I don't really do this whole right. altar thing. Could you have somebody on your altar who you would, quote unquote, honor as an ancestor, but still not work with them? Me? Yeah. 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 So I think that's what Lucas was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you can have like a picture there to go, this is one of my ancestors, right. yeah. but stay the fuck away. But I will not work. I would probably have a separate space for them. Right. Mm-hmm. I would have my altar where I work with my ancestors and I would have like a genealogy shrine yep. where I say these are the people I was descended from. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And I would treat those spaces very differently. differently. Yeah. The differently. the space where I work with my ancestors is where they get fed and honored and remembered and worked with. Like that's our space to interact with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And the shrine, the genealogy shrine would be my acknowledgement of my bloodline. And that would be important, but in a different way. Right. Exactly. So do ancestors on your altar have to be related to you? And we covered this in the previous episode. Yeah. Are dead lovers still ancestors? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, anybody you want to make an ancestor is can an be ancestor. an ancestor. As long as they're dead. A, right, living, yeah. a living person isn't an ancestor, no, but a dead no. one is, yeah. Yeah, and it can be anybody. It can yep. be someone who is a famous person right. who you resonate many with. Many of us adopted Leonard Nimoy as the internet grandpa, exactly. and many of us grieved him when he died. So absolutely, if someone that was very close to you who was a lover, a, mm-hmm. a husband, a wife, a, a sibling, ex, squeaky says space mom, you know. yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think all of those are, there's a ton oh, yeah. uh, of those kind of things. But squeaky when, says, yeah, if there's a pioneer in your career field. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. Anyone the people who are the, the dead who are important to you. That's right. Yep. And, and who agree to show up at your altar. Because not everyone will. Yeah. And, and we talked about that in their previous ancestor mm-hmm. episode. That, you know, there's the beloved dead. There's the honored yep. dead. Finn Odinson says, Stanley is now getting himself a spot on my altar. Stanley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rana I mean, asks, what know. about fictional? Like Dobby? No. Not <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, uh, so, Squeaky makes a good point. I've heard of folks using pop culture characters like deities. Yeah. And yeah, I've I've seen that happen, but mm-hmm. I would not call them ancestors. Yeah, because that's a different that's a different vibe altogether. Yeah, it's a different right. different situation. Mm-hmm. You're not you dealing with that. But it was sad. Yeah. Says, I <laughs> but know. I think you could have another altar that is for the oh, yeah. the stereotypes or the archetypes yeah. of those characters. That's yeah, true. That's yep. true. And, and work with those in a pop witch way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's a whole movement for um sort of pop culture witchcraft. Yeah. So no, I would not call those ancestors even if you're sad and they died in their book. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you can probably do some pop culture pantheon work, which I'm not qualified to talk about. Nope. Someday we'll do an episode about it, maybe. <laughs> that's um, probably where Mother Multiverse would come Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, the last Mother Multiverse is not with us right now. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So if you have no space to do an altar at all, mm-hmm. you can make a purely digital altar. That's true. So you can make a web page mm-hmm. or you can even just have like a folder on your computer where you just mm-hmm. store right. all the, the data you have about your ancestors. And as long as you go to that digital space when you work with them, that counts. Right. I don't know if it's still a thing, but I remember back in the day, various pagan sites would have a page that would have like a gif of a candle mm-hmm. and then people could add the names of right. their ancestors yep. or people that they wanted to remember under that. I'm sure there's, there's some something around, similar yeah. that was done for I'm the sure. Victims of 9 11. Yeah. yeah. If you can't do something in your home, you can have it online. And Lucas M makes a very good point. You could also create an astral space. Absolutely. Yep. 
Absolutely, you could create you make, an you ancestor. Can definitely make an astral ancestor altar. Absolutely, you yeah. could make oh, an yeah, ancestor temple. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to do astral work first. Right, yeah, yeah. That would be that's a prerequisite yeah, if you're going to make yeah, an ancestor astral, astral space. space. Yeah, that's true. But it is that is definitely a great idea. I mean, yep. a lot of people do that kind of work with deities by mm-hmm. going into astral space. Yep. So why not create an ancestor, an ancestor astral space? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Share some music with your ancestors through the uplifting tunes provided by our tiger, Alora Driver, with the music of Aquagirl. Aquagirl is an indie pop musician with a very chill, listenable synth tone, married to lyrics that are by turns hopeful and honest. All of Aquagirl's tracks have their charms, but Oates suggests, I think I'm part of you, an encouraging piece about reconnecting with parts of yourself. You can find Aquagirl at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. I love Aqua Girl. Me too. <laughs> I think we lost touch somewhere along the line and I really want to come back and spend some time with you. Guess what? It's time for reviews. <laughs> that one was very good. That was nice. Thank you, and I'm ridiculously tired. I know. <laughs> you're in very good voice for someone are, who's exhausted. Yeah. Maybe you should try it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not introduce that self-destructive thought into reality. No, no, no. Definitely not. <laughs> we are going to be reviewing a book called True Magic by Cindy Brannon. That's right. going to be reviewed by Odin Gwen because I didn't. Car was, Take a look Car at was way too busy, busy this week, this week yeah. to do any reading. To be fair, I am a student of Cindy Brandon. That's why we're reviewing this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I've already reviewed it on, on the Patios blog. Yep. So really, this is uh, Ode's <laughs> review, because I'm just going to reiterate <laughs> what I've already said. And I'll give some more information about the school that I'm yep. actually attending for this actual for this, book the plus, and the other book. one that she... Right, yeah. right. So Ode's review of Ode's this book. Ode's review, and then I will say why I like it and why I enjoy what I'm learning. <laughs> and you can probably guess... <laughs> Where I fall on it from now, that. To be fair, though, to be fair, you said you did appreciate this book more than the previous book I did. that we reviewed. I preferred this book to the previous yes. book. Well, true, first, I will say true magic is better than keeping her keys. Well, in your opinion. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, okay, so, we are reviewing true magic. Yeah. How's um, the bibliography? Isn't, it isn't. There is, that's true. <laughs> I think that's one of Ode's uh, That's one complaints. of my complaints is that there isn't. There isn't a bibliography. None. None. There are, at the end of each section, there's a further reading, but that's not a bibliography. Right. She does have sources that you can go to to get more information. I can't tell if those are her sources, though, because they're listed as further reading. I know. I know. They could just be sources that agree with her, not where she got her information. Okay. That's well, what a bibliography all, is for. Why don't you... Let's start over. Why don't you say what the book is about? <laughs> and the book is about a magic system called True Magic, which already made me roll my eyes. And, and it's, it's capitalized every time it's in here. It's based on the the number seven yeah. and how seven is resonating through various shamanic... Various traditions. Very, yeah. It's a lot of different traditions. It's basically a syncretized magic system. It is. It's an eclectic magic system. And it is not specific to any one 
type of path. So anybody could use no, this book. No, because it steals from everyone. Anybody could use this book and benefit from it. <laughs> I don't know if I would say everyone could benefit from it, but everyone could use this book. That's true. Okay. So it uses, uh, so it's called True Magic. Like I said, it capitalizes True Magic every time, which, and Inner Witch is also capitalized every right, time. Right, because the, the idea behind it is that by going through the steps of... You unlock your, you unleash your inner you're witch. You're unleashing your inner witch by moving through the process yes. of healing. Here work, I have the list. Right. Healing, relationships, sovereignty, growth, connections. Abundance. Abundance and, and, wholeness. and wholeness. You work through each one of those sections. Which are called the seven steps of power, all caps. <laughs> there are meditations, there are rituals, and various things to unlock that. It's it's basically based on the seven chakra energy centers, and you work on... And by basically based on, she means that it directly refers to and files half the serial numbers off, and then misapplies the colors, and then uses the mudras without explaining them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... There's some appropriation in this book, you guys. We'll agree to disagree about that. There's... You yourself, earlier when we were talking about this, said that you do some syncretization in oh, your yeah, own... yeah, for sure. Right. Practice. There's, a, there's a difference, though, between being syncretized and ripping stuff off. I don't think this but, is ripping stuff off. I but, think but this when is syncretizing. You, when you syncretize something, you need to say where it came from and what it means mm-hmm. to the original people. You need group. to know its context. Right. Okay. And this book does not give you the context that this information okay. came from. Right? I will, it does I will not... agree with you on that. There's, I, I would have appreciated if there had been more context mm-hmm. to where these different seven points... Where did of, they come from? Where what these do they seven mean? points of power came right. from, what traditions are being borrowed from, explanations of I personally don't use the mudras because I that's I'm not comfortable using that and I and that is the correct feeling <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do appreciate various things that are included in this book which include what Cindy calls the witch's hour of power which is taking time every day to do something that feeds your spirit and your soul and gets you into that of opening your yourself to who you are as a witch and then there's also things for plant magic and stone magic and working with plant allies and now i'm not involved in this at all like Mm -hmm. this is your gig with Mm -hmm. with cindy Mm -hmm. but it seems very christiany to me and that would totally put me off to it instantly Mm -hmm. i did not get that Mm -mm. personally but i also didn't have a huge amount of exposure to christianity like personal like i i know about christianity but from sort of an academic perspective are you saying that based on the description or some of the stuff you've talked about Yes, it's very what I was raised with, and Mm -hmm. that would instantly put me off of it, just Mm -hmm. because, obviously, I still have some shit to work on. some work to do. Uh, But I'll say there are good, potentially useful pieces of this book. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little proscriptive, and not just because it's named True Magic, although that's definitely part of it. When you call your your system True Magic, you are definitely implying that everyone else's magic is fake. I will concede that point, yes. (laughs) I, I will concede that point. And like I said, and, she's my teacher. Right. And I, I'm conceding this point. And, and so my question to you earlier was, since you don't do the mudras that are mis- that are mentioned in the book, 
Does that mean you're not doing true magic? No, because that's where sovereignty comes in. <laughs> I can practice whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and basically that's the idea is that you do claim your sovereignty. You do practice craft according to what works for you. This is not something you have to do point by point by point. And it's the same thing she you has. You don't have to. No. But it is sort of laid out as if you will. It is. Well, and the thing is it it builds from one to the other to the other. You are releasing what no longer serves you. You are embracing and empowering yourself to move forward in your spiritual path, in, in your practice as a magical practitioner, that kind of thing. And again, I'm saying this as someone who is not only has read the book, but is also going through the course right now right. at her school, you which are a is true the, magician. I am a true magician <laughs> uh, uh, at the Open Circle School of right. Mysteries, which you can find at keepingherkeys.com and that's where you can also find her blog and all that information about Cindy. Are her books for everyone? Obviously not. Strong <laughs> no. But there are a lot of people who work through this and find a lot of healing because she comes at this also from a perspective of being a psychologist who has worked with people on shadow work and doing relationship healing and learning how to create boundaries for yourself and how to let go of what's no longer serving you and things like that. So all of that is wrapped up in this book. And it's through the the sacred seven, those seven principles that you do this work. I find it incredibly helpful. Now, are are there problems with the book? Yes. There should have been a bibliography. There should have been more explanation Which of is, where... That's not a new complaint. She did not have good no, sourcing in keeping her keys either. And honestly, that could be a fault of the publisher. They may not require that of their... Of well, I don't care if it's you required. It like, anyway. You know, but, the point point is, yes, I would have appreciated more context, where things were, you know, where things were taken from, how it was syncretized, that kind of information. But otherwise, I think the principles that she shares in this book are solid and very useful. I think there are individual elements of this book that are fine. I think I could get them better from elsewhere, but there are individual elements of this book that are fine, and so I will give it a 3.5 reluctantly out of <laughs> five stars. I will give it a four. I'll give it a four. Yeah. Okay. You know, because there I are... give this book a 3.5, not even because I like it, but purely because it's well written. It mostly, is. it is. It is a well written book. There are some things that could have made it stronger, but otherwise, I think it's very solid in its principles and what it's trying. I think it's to... better written than Keeping Her Keys. I didn't like how Keeping Her Keys was written. I found the writing in that like just just this mechanically the writing. I think the writing in True Magic is better, and that's why it gets a 3.5. Yeah, it is. It is very systematic. It's very well written. And it gets the point across. So, yes, I would give it four stars. And I recommend you try it, whether you're a magical practitioner or not. So 3.75 is yeah. what that averages out to. <laughs> there you go. Because I had no vote in this one because I didn't read it. So Rana says, I don't see why if you have issues with sourcing but like the information, you can't research that info yourself. Yeah. I just think have to. like this should be a place for us to start a path, not the end-all, be-all of the path. I agree, Rana. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you that people should be doing their own research, but I it's also impossible to do that research when it's all just mashed up in there. But again, she does offer resources to do she additional further resources. reading. That's not the same thing as sources. Okay, we'll we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree on that to one. disagree okay. on that. Lead us out. <laughs> so yeah, that's um <clears throat> it for the reviews. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little contentious, that one. A little contentious. It'll be right, interesting. I'll do an actual <laughs> intro. Uh-huh. That's it for the reviews. That one was nice, too. That was very nice. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. I, uh, I think someone had a question. Uh, yeah, Justin had an ancestor altar question after reviews. How would you set up one that would be on public display? Ah. Think specifically about setting up an ancestor table with photos, etc., of those who have gone on for my eventual wedding. Uh-huh. Ah. Are you trying to do this so that it's kind of stealthy or that? Yeah, exactly. That, this is going to depend That's a lot what on it your... depends on, on what kind of an altar you're trying to your create. Your intention. Your intention. Not stealthy. Not, Not stealthy. stealthy. Excellent. Then, then I'd say go all out. Go like, all just... out. Put yeah. candles, put flowers, put things that were now, important to your ancestors. Whatever feels right to you. I will say, I would treat this less like a permanent altar mm-hmm. than I would like putting a plate out at dinner for your ancestors, right? Like this is like your, a silent supper, right? Kind of like thing. this is your, this is their invitation to that space, exactly. right? right? Rather than your altar to them, I would have like an altar to them regularly. Yeah, I would too. I so would that have... they have a regular space where they go and. And then I would create this temporary space at the wedding to say, you're all invited to my wedding. Which I, would, I think is I a would, beautiful idea. I would almost, like, maybe take a row of chairs. Yeah. And mark oh. them off and say, ancestors only. Yeah. Yeah. And, that would be cool. Yeah, and even maybe put their photos. I don't know if your photos, venue would allow that, but that would be very cool. And even cool, put yeah. their photos on, yeah, on, the the seat, on the seats. Something, yeah. yeah. I think that's a wonderful idea, Justin, and it's a beautiful way to to honor where you come from mm-hmm. and to actually invite them to be part of your wedding. Yeah. Right. To beautiful. be involved. To be yep. involved. That's beautiful. Thanks, cool. Ben. Bill says, <laughs> what I did for mine was have candles burning. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, and if you can't burn actual candles in your venue... You can always do those little digital ones. The little, yep. yeah, the little, little digital battery, ones, digital battery powered yeah, battery powered <laughs> ones. Those little LED ones. And, yes. But let's go ahead and say, okay, what if you can't be open and say this right. is because I'm a pagan and this is to honor the ancestors to come to my wedding? You can still have a space that a honors memorial space. a memorial space that honors both families mm-hmm. and present it as such. Yep. You know, you can you can make it a part. Shit, of, you can put that where the guest book is, where people exa- are signing. I was in. just right, thinking yeah. the same thing, and it could be, you know, this is where we come from, mm-hmm. and have them as a part of it that way. Yep. And you can even have part of that written into your service that's mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on. It's like we invite our ancestors to be a part of this. Yeah, to they join were a part us of our as, family yeah. and Renaissance. Yeah, even Christian weddings have stuff like that. My niece had an empty chair with flowers in the front row for her dead mom. There yep. you go. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a beautiful way to invite people who have passed, who are important to you, Mm -hmm. who can't be physically at your wedding, but you want their spirit to remain. Absolutely. And anybody who doesn't go along with that, some somebody who comes in and is just being problematic for no good reason. Exactly. They're just being problematic and fuck them. Yeah. They're just causing problems on purpose. Exactly. And Lucas said, my best friend had a table full of pics, and guests were invited to bring some as well. And it was called For Those Who Couldn't Be With Us. That's really nice. beautiful. I love this. Now I wish we had done something like that for our hand fasting. Yeah. (laughs) That's really, really nice. That's really beautiful. I love that idea. And Rana makes the good point that they don't have to believe it if you do. Exactly. That's the thing is like so many people are like, well, what if my family says this or says that? It's like, who Who cares? cares? Unless you're stealth, who cares? Unless you're stealth, who cares? It doesn't matter if they believe what you believe. It only matters that you do and that it's important to you. Especially on your wedding. Oh, God, yeah. 
God, that whole day is about you anyway. Like, yeah. And quite yep. frankly, if that's a person who is going to cause shit, right, just don't invite them. Just don't invite them. You don't have to invite everyone you know to your wedding. No. Yeah. Yep. And who cares if it is, is there family that maybe shouldn't come to your wedding because they're going to cause problems? I've had people that I know, friends, who said, yeah, so-and-so's in-laws were not invited because we knew they would get drunk and cause problems. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you got to do that. That's why boundaries are good. Yep. Yep. Engage with death and join our Tiger Lorelei from the Georgia-based shop Other World Creations. This shop features jewelry, altarpieces, devotional art, and decorative items fashioned out of bones, teeth, claws, and fur of departed creatures. Lorelei believes that these remains have their own energy and spirit, the same way that plants and stones do, and that these can be tapped into and worked with. Most of the remains used are otherworld creations are found already dead, and some are traded from hunters who would otherwise discard these remnants. You can follow Otherworld Creations on Instagram at otherworld underscore creations co. Find them on Facebook or contact otherworldcreationsco at gmail.com for inquiries or commissions. So, uh, another thing I wanted us to talk about is genealogies and research. No, oh, this I, part I know a lot about. Something. I figured Car could contribute to this because this is actually a really, really useful way to connect with your ancestors, Absolutely. especially if you don't just know a lot about them, like if you don't have a lot of family stories mm-hmm. about them. Right. Mm-hmm. Doing genealogy research is a really, really cool and useful way to, co- to start connecting with them. Yeah. Absolutely. I've actually traced back my family to the 1100s. Yeah. On one side and uh, earlier than that on the other. Yep. Yeah, and you even traced back a lot of my family. Yeah, yep, because I, I had the program. That's so right. Might as well. It's Might not well. super inexpensive to do Ancestry. No, it's, yeah, it's expensive. Um, ActualAncestry.com is pricey. Yep. Pricey. Um, and also they're going to to keep and probably sell your data. And let's be, right. and let's be fair, the less expensive ones are just not as good. Because I've tried some of the yeah. other yeah, ones. Yeah, it's harder, yeah. To, it's to, harder make to make the connections, make the connections and connections. get the data. And, and, yeah. and even on Ancestry, there's a lot of wrong data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you really have to like you have spend to the time to dig through. into yeah. each thing in order to go back. Bill, that's really cool that you have a book that goes back 17 generations. Yeah, yeah very cool. Um, there's actually a book on one side of my family that goes back that far or maybe further, goes all the way back to Walsingham, who actually came over to Marblehead, Massachusetts, like right after the Mayflower and mm-hmm. the Santa Maria and the Nina yeah. and the Pensacola. Yeah, I know, that, <laughs> I know um, that ancestors on my mother's side came through Jamestown, but I don't know if we have that in a book or if we go back. The book that my grandfather had went back to the Revolutionary War. I think that's as far as that, that book goes. That Grandpa William did? Yeah. It goes back a little bit further yeah. okay. than the Revolutionary War. Um, we do actually... It, we have some hand notes in there where mm, stuff yeah. was added when more stuff was found out so mm. it's not in like the version that's out yeah. for everybody yeah. it's stuff that we have so sadly the german side of my family yeah. is we can only go back a yeah. few generations really. bad record keeping very bad record keeping i think we can only go back to maybe a couple of greats yeah. yeah and that's it yeah and that's part of that is because you know when people when they came over to ellis island mm-hmm. everything was changed mm-hmm. or yep. lost, like names were spelled differently, and yep. it's very hard to trace back yeah. beyond that. So, But using Ancestry.com... I was able to find out a ton of stuff. I found out that actually, like, uh, Gwen and I have family back 
quite a ways that were actually really close mm-hmm. um, in Virginia. Through the Jamestown connection. Yeah, through the through Jamestown. Mm-hmm. So they actually came over. Basically right, around the same time. Yeah. yeah. Last yeah. Yeah. boat, maybe. Yep. When so. my ancestor was fleeing the plague at the <laughs> yeah. time. Like you do. <laughs> like you, <know>. you do. <laughs> yep. It's been super interesting to find out all this. Mm-hmm. And then and sometimes I've gotten you can stuff find from, like newspaper articles. Yeah, like I the, the one I want mm-hmm. to get to know who I really don't trust or necessarily right. like would be my great grandfather. I found newspaper articles about him mm-hmm. that I was able to clip and download and then upload to my ancestry account mm-hmm. so that they're there for everybody else to see yep. as well. You know, of some of the stupid shit he did because he was arrested <laughs> multiple times and, and it got in the papers. Spent, yeah, spent time in jail and my family's full of thieves criminals. and criminals. Yeah. Um, but on both sides. Uh-huh, yeah. Cars like entire lineage just criminals all the way down. <laughs> so on my dad's side, I know that I'm the first in like three or four generations not to spend time in prison. Uh-huh. So. That's good, honey. Uh-huh. On my mom's side, I think probably my, either my mom or my grandfather was the first one in three or four generations. <laughs> That's right. Well, breaking the cycle, says, says Rana. That's right. And has done so with our children as well. Our yes. children have maintained that. Actually, our children. have been very so, dull. Yeah. Our children have turned out really good because I basically just told them all the stupid shit I did that I didn't get caught for. Uh-huh. And I was like, mm, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> Drugs sounds nice. Not fun. <laughs> so then every time I was offered drugs, I thought, my dad still has a shitty memory from the drugs he took. I think I'm going to skip it. Thanks. But anyway, using a genealogy can help you connect to your family that maybe you didn't even know you had. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, I found out Secret stuff family. about my, my mother's side of the family that mm-hmm. they don't like to talk that about. That they will not right. discuss. They won't talk about my great-grandmother, who yeah. was yeah. black. Right. You know? yeah. She yeah. is not discussed. You know? she, they do not talk about her at the reunions. And nope. it's one of the reasons that my grandfather never went to church yeah. because of the way the townspeople and the church people treated his grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. She was um, white passing. She basically. was. She was. Yeah. yeah. And they, they will not discuss the fact. They will not. Yeah. My mom's cousins, they absolutely they, refuse they that. Will, they will yeah. just tell you she was white. Although, <laughs> I have like actual birth certificates yes. going yeah. back. That we have shows- evidence. <laughs> That shows her listed as mulatto. Yes, yeah. we have the evidence. We have evidence to prove <laughs> so. that they will not accept it. And my grandpa loved his yeah. grandmother. Absolutely Enough loved that her. that it drove him away from the church at a time when that was a big deal. Yeah. Exactly. And so I am, I honor her. She's, yep. she was a wonderful, hearty farm woman. Yep. You know, who my grandfather loved. Yeah. Took no guff. She took no shit at yeah. all. Period. And apparently she was a lot of fun. Doing the genealogy research led Let's you find names, if exactly. nothing else. I think it also helped me to reconnect with some living ans- or living uh-huh. relatives mm-hmm. who had also done ancestral That's work. Exactly. We met them, um, if I remember correctly, and didn't so, we? so, like, uh, one of my uncles actually got in touch with me before he passed away mm-hmm. and gave me some information I did not have. Yeah, that's right. And then on my mom's side, I've actually had people who found me through the Ancestry website mm-hmm. who have contacted me and they they're one of my grandfather's brother's kids. Mm-hmm. And so they're very interested. So they're they're loving all they're, the work I've done. Yeah. Right. And then they're adding together. their side mm-hmm. of it in. Well, shit. I, do you know, because of your work with Ancestry, I didn't even know my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, 
had siblings other than one. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it turns she out had she had several. six more yes. yeah. that I didn't know anything <laughs> about. no one ever talked about. Nobody ever talked about them. I never saw pictures. Mm-hmm. I only ever met one. So I thought she only ever, I thought she had one sibling. She was one of seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they all went, went like west. And, and right. just were never spoken and of And were again, never spoken which of Which is again. becoming a real trend in your family. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Mine all go to prison. And yours, yours just, just never talk never about them. Talking about them again. These are just very Midwestern. <laughs> That's very Midwestern. Who just—I don't know. We just do not discuss. We don't discuss that. But even like when we went through our ancestor thing at. Yeah, so I think that's Ancestry. a really, yeah, it's a good way to not just connect with your ancestors, but in its own way to honor them. Yep. That's right. Yeah. By putting in the effort to learn about them and, yeah, and learn so their names. I've been able, I've been able to find pictures of people, mm-hmm. and even if not their picture of them, I can find a picture of their tombstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which at or least is Or the house some, they grew up in. Right, you know, yep. Or... Exactly, what jail they were in. I think mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Found, <laughs> I think you even found a picture of my great-great-grandmother, my grandfather's yes. grandmother yep. that yeah. he loved. Loved so yes. well. Yeah. Yep. I had never seen a picture of her before yeah. until you did that research. Yeah. Yep. So it's a good way for you to do it. I would say there are some ones out there that are free or yep. very inexpensive. You can start there, but Ancestry has done such a good job that mm-hmm. we are not sponsored by Ancestry. No, we're not. But Ancestry, and we can't afford them right now. Yeah. But, but Ancestry has done such a good job mm-hmm. of locking down all locking the data, down all the data from different things yep. that it really is the one source mm-hmm. where you can yeah. find just about everything. There was one really big competing one, and they bought it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gone now. So you know, and it's just been incorporated in. Yeah. Another really they good option it. is that doesn't Ancestry and I think some others they they check your DNA. Yes, you can do DNA tests. Yeah, and that although really... DNA tests are notoriously <laughs> unspecific. Yes, that's true, but it actually helped a client of mine who is adopted, yeah. and she was able to find out more about her heritage because she had this done. And right. so now she's doing research into just the overall heritage. Yeah. Right. And even though she doesn't have specific people that she can call to or go to, right. she can look into an overall right. ancestry and embrace that right. in her life. And so I think that's important, too. Yeah, so- it, it says uh, the science isn't 100% in yet on DNA tests. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They sometimes you can do your DNA twice and get completely different results yeah. for yeah. nonsense reasons essentially. Yeah. And Lucas M makes the good point that 23andMe keeps and sells your data. A lot of these A lot of these do. Mm-hmm. Uh of these little like mail-in DNA tests mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, there is one that doesn't and I will try to remember what and it is. Find what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't keep any of it, and they automatically just purge like, the data, purge the yeah. data out of their system. I would say that the cool thing is, like, you can then take any of your DNA results that you want to and upload them to other places, like mm-hmm. Ancestry, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. But again, you risk that. Yeah, Squiggy has just explained something important that I finally explains to me why these DNA tests are so fucking incomprehensible. They know where you're from because they sample data of people currently living in those areas, mm-hmm. which is why it's going to be hard to say that, like, your ancestry goes back to that place, you know, mm-hmm. 400 years ago mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. migration. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And diaspora. And uh, makes a good point about, um, like, in Michigan, you can go to the State Historical Library. He's found some really good old electric, old bills. electric bills from his family. Yeah. So that's another option, too, is you can go, if your family was from a particular area. Uh, like, if you know that they were there. You know that yeah. they were there. There, you can actually go and check out records yep. and see what you can find. 
yep. do some research on your own. And you can you you can learn a surprising amount from that kind of stuff. I know it you seems really boring, can. but you can learn a surprising amount from like learning about land deals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the purchases that they made and the loans they took out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, you can learn a surprising amount about the people they were. The So the genealogy I have from Grandfather William actually has, there's a section that is all about uh, the transfer of a plot of land between one of our ancestors and his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And it's this really involved exchange mm-hmm. to get this land and it tells you a lot about the relationship between these people. Yeah. Was it a little sticky? <laughs> a little sticky, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it is, too, if it's the one I'm thinking about, he was a carpenter who was from Norway, and his wife spoke no English. <laughs> and yeah. he spoke broken English. Some English. He, he spoke some English. So there were probably some... Uh, miscommunications. Miscommunications there and a little bit of strained relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, he was a, a very skilled carpenter. He, we have, uh, stories of him because my great grandmother could not speak English At like all. a word. Yeah. He built her an entire Danish village for her for chicken, chicken coop. coop. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just a sweet and story. Little things like that he would do for her. Get as many like local stories as you possibly can from your family members before they die. Yes, and absolutely. Akaneko says smaller village museums often have genealogy departments. She used to volunteer for one, cutting out obituaries from the paper and helping to catalog them. Yep. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's a very good, a very Resource, good idea. Yeah. yeah, because like I said, my grandfather, my my dad's father, we have very little information. Yeah. about his family once you get past only a, a certain point a past yeah. a couple I think we can get to a couple of great grandparents yeah. and that's it they just didn't have the the names written down yeah. I'm not just I'm bad not record even, keeping yeah I'm not even sure what part of Germany they're from so sometimes you know. it's bad record keeping and sometimes it's deliberate so sometimes we, they're running away from something yeah I right. think we can go back two generations yeah. into Germany and then, and then it then just that's it. stops it just is a it dead just end and yeah. even the information that we have it's is sketchy sketchy and scarce. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's my heritage who does yeah. the one that, that... Where they purge your data when they're done with yep, it. Yep. And you completely own it. They they don't hold yeah. any rights to it. That kind of a thing. So I would say... Um, if it's also gonna... fairly inexpensive to do it through them because uh, the other ones tend to be it's way more pricey, expensive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is weird because you would think like if they're selling if they're your selling data... Your data mm-hmm. but they capitalism. Right, yeah. Capitalism. Um the other cool thing with my heritage is that you can get all the different DNA done. All the tests. Yeah, so you can get the X, the Y, yeah. the you know, the whole thing, so that you can find out even more information. You get more granular data. Right, right, exactly. So I think if you're going to go that route, yeah. like if you don't have any options. And again, we're not sponsored by any no, of these people. No. Then that sounds We've like We've mentioned would be, like four or five of yeah. them, so that would mean we're not sponsored by any. It would be a good option to, to try that if you have no other recourse. Yeah. yeah. And it, Although I may at some point do it just for the fun of it. Just I think it would be interesting. Yeah. I would just for love to giggles. see that, actually. Yeah. I would I would love love to do that. We should do that sometime. I think it's interesting. I just wouldn't base your identity around it. No, no absolutely yeah, not. No. Well, the nice thing is, because my mom's family was so very kept much... Kept a lot of records. Kept a lot of records. They were they, all Those into, people did not throw away any piece of paper ever. My family has none of that. No. <laughs> do the genealogy. Right. I've yeah. been able to do the genealogy research because I'm an only child of an only child. Yeah. On one side... And I'm an only child of an asshole. an asshole and a bunch of assholes above him. 
So, a, a, a long line of assholes. A long line of assholes. Well, who, like don't, I said. who didn't even hang out with each other and yeah. they were fucking brothers. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes so, it's just like that. It just, just sometimes. And like so that. sometimes some of that will just, you know, I think come to you as mm-hmm. part of. Mm-hmm. Of doing the work. Of doing, doing the, work. the work. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you'll get it. It'll be anecdotal or you Right, exactly. It'll yeah. be like, my ancestor directly told me X. Right. And you exactly. can't prove it and you can't find the paperwork. But and, if it means something to you, exactly. that's all that matters. Right, yep. Just when you write it down in your personal genealogy, say, I was told this by Ancestor Z after they were dead. Right, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah, do make so a note that, of it. So that no one's going back like, where's the fucking paperwork? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which will exactly. make for interesting reading for future generations uh-huh. who yeah, right. aren't on the same path that you are. And That's they're right. like, what do you mean when they were dead? Turns out my great-grandmother was insane. But, yeah, exactly. But let's don't think we've talked about actually working with our ancestors, yeah, have that's, we? That's going to be next. Which is what we need to talk about. We've talked about well, altars. Mm-hmm. We've talked about genealogy. But the, see, these things are working with your ancestors. Well, that's yeah. Like, I know it's not magical. That's true. But it is. this is part of working with your ancestors. You make a good point because you are actually putting time and mm-hmm. energy and building a relationship with them in a different way that you might have had exactly. when they were still living or if you didn't know them at all. Right. I didn't know any of my great-grandparents mm-hmm. at all. I, kn- I didn't even meet all of my grandparents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I don't have any of those connections, yeah. Yeah. really. Uh, Rana is saying, I find it easier to, to communicate with the ancestors I didn't know in life for some reason, less expectations for mm-hmm. them to be the same in the afterlife as they were in the life-life. I yeah. think that's a great point. Yeah. So I do have one question before we get started on the magical part of it. Uh-huh. And maybe this is part of the magical part of it, too. Okay. So I would like to connect with Horus. Oh, oh baby Horus. Yeah, baby Horus. Yeah. So I had a great, great aunt mm-hmm. who I lived with as a teenager briefly with my mom. Mm-hmm. And she was slowly going senile. Yeah. yeah. She, she had, had dementia. Dementia, dementia yep. yeah. And so she would refer to me as Horace. And we had no idea why. And we just kind of let it go because... Because she had dementia. Because she had dementia. So, you know, you're not good. So who knows? <laughs> right. But after her death, we found out that she had had a kid early in life and that the child's father's family took the kid away. Yeah. Yeah, That was the wrong side of the track. Right, right. Wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. And so, and moved them out to the farmland that Mm -hmm. they owned and he was raised on the plantation basically. She never saw him again? And she never saw him again because my great, great aunt was a very big part of my life. I would like to know more about her, her, son, her child, yeah. who I never got to. Uh, obviously, she, she didn't really yeah, get to know. Yeah. So it would be very interesting for me to be able to try to make that connection. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how would I go about that, Ode? I would start with doing the research. <laughs> right. Finding as much information about him as you can. I actually know what farm he lived on and everything. Excellent. That's go. a great start. Yeah. Do you have a photo of that farm? Because that would be ideal. I do, as a matter of fact, have a photo of that farm and his father. Oh, there you go. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> then I would set up a little yep. altar space. We got plenty of space left yep. on our altar. I would set up a little altar space for him. I would put out an offering. Yep. Um, if you know something that he likes, if that happens to have been recorded, or if there was a food that was popular and common in time. his area at the time, I right. would put out something like that. Something that's just a homey, right? Right, like yep. You're, you're usually, especially if it's a dead 
if it's the dead that you're that you haven't contacted before, mm-hmm. it's nice to leave out something for them that just makes them feel welcome. Sure, mm-hmm. bread is usually good. Makes um, bread. Alcohol is usually also good. Oh yeah. Bread and alcohol are sort of standards mm-hmm. uh, for offerings to the dead. And I would maybe light a candle and let him know you're paying attention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And absolutely. And see if you can get him to respond. Rana says uh, water. Have been told that they get thirsty on their way back. Yeah, mm, that is yeah. a very common, um, not even, I guess it's an offering, but it's, it, there are some traditions where basically like you leave an offering mm-hmm. and a glass of water. And That's the glass right. of water is just like, when it starts evaporating, you know they're there. That's right. I don't even think of the glass of water as being an offering. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it like, lightness? You, <laughs> the water is just a conduit, I guess, for the dead. <laughs> there are some traditions where the dead literally drink the water to sustain their presence. Oh, that and, makes sense. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. That could be what's happening to the water for the, for my bamboo. It says, what do you do with offering food when you need to take it off the altar due to spoiling? Okay, so we'll talk about that first. This varies depending on your tradition, mm-hmm. I just throw it away. Some people bury it. Some people bury it. Uh, some people compost it or whatever. I throw it away because that's what I would do with any food I didn't eat. Mm-hmm. And I give them the food off my plate. So that's where food waste goes, is in the trash. And as long as something, it, it depends on the time of year. Sometimes I put it in the trash. Sometimes, though, if it uh, is something that won't harm the animals, you know, or the birds, I uh, throw it outside. Yeah, I never do that. Into, into, like, the deadfall. I never leave it out. And I think part of that is because somewhere I internalized, even though this isn't, like, a, an official part of my tradition, somewhere mm-hmm. I internalized the idea that the dead take all the vital essence from the food. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it shouldn't be eaten by a living thing. Mm-hmm. It should just be disposed of. But that's not, like, an official part of my tradition and a lot of people don't do it that way some people actually eat their offerings to the dead yes that is true Um, so they make the offering to the ancestors and it sits there for like 20 minutes or something and then they eat it Mm -hmm. because the ancestors have blessed exactly blessed it and also want to feed you right like it's a mutual exchange thing. there are people who do that with their deities as well yes exactly yep and sometimes offering the experience of eating so that's a thing you can Mm -hmm. offer like i think this gets glossed over sometimes an offering doesn't have to be a physical thing you leave on an altar it can be a thing you do so like doing that genealogy research that can be an offering you can do that mindfully with the intention of offering it to your ancestors right you can eat some Something that they really liked and really, you know, savor it and experience the process of eating that thing that they like and, and offer them that experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Prana says, my cat ate my offering, Grandma. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have an actual covered dish now. You're reminded not to offer cheese to Grandma. <laughs> No, uh, Justin, Justin said, uh, could this be a way to help determine if an unknown photograph is actually a specific person or ancestor? I mean... In as much as you trust UPG. your UPG. Yeah, yeah. like, mm-hmm. if you set out a, a photo of an unknown ancestor on your altar and ask, who is it, and use, you know, various divinatory methods or automatic mm-hmm. writing or whatever to get an answer, then, yeah, that that answer is valid. Mm-hmm. Right. As much as any answers, a, answer from the ancestors is valid. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, like I said, like, if you're going to put it in your genealogy data or write it on the back, I'd make say, sure. you know, got this from the dead, but... Yeah, right. make sure that just, you... Just so that your, your future generations aren't sitting here going, where did this fucking name come from? Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it's as valid as any other ancestor Absolutely. answer. So we were talking about offerings. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, food's a common one. I think that's probably the most common offering to the mm-hmm. ancestors. Experiences are less common because I think everyone just forgets you can do it. Sometimes, especially if they died of something specific, they will want you to do work about that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have an ancestor who died of, like, a specific form of cancer... Right. They might 
appreciate an offering of you donating to research on that cancer right. or something like that. Right. I was just thinking about my grandfather on my father's side who was hit on the head by a steel beam. <laughs> that was going to be a bit more difficult. <laughs> that to... was going to be, yeah, that was going to be hard. <laughs> but brain like, injury. But, brain, yeah. But, but like workplace safety. Right. And brain injury. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to offer flowers and plants yeah. and things like that. A lot of the things you would take to a grave. Yeah. Some, some dead really like receiving coins. Mm-hmm. Right. I discovered they're v- very into that. So Rana said my family's traditionally left cigarettes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's also common. And I will say from working at a cemetery mm-hmm. that cigarettes and cannabis yep. are two very big things to be left on graves. Mm-hmm. Also bottles of beer yep. or whiskey. Alcohol. Yep. Uh, um, are very big. Bill is mentioning mercury dimes. Mercury dimes, yeah. yeah. They're a specific kind of coin. From the 20s, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. And they, they often have luck and fortune associations now, but they are often also paid to the dead, essentially. Gotcha. Just has homemade left cookies. homemade cookies. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cherry uh, skull. Cherry skull. Yeah. From, yep. from Finn for one of yeah. his ancestors. If they had, if they had a specific thing that they liked, yep. leave them that. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I guess go with your instinct. If you're, if you feel like your ancestor is so, leading yeah, my, towards something, then go with that. Yeah. Generally, I say start with like a general, like standard offering, which is something like bread and alcohol or fruit and alcohol or something right. like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of standard offerings that right. the dead will generally accept. And obviously. And then, once you've started that connection, just ask them what they want. Exactly. This is my this is my answer every time someone's like, should I do blah? Ask. Just ask. 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 And obviously, if you are in a tradition, follow what right. your tradition. Where they have rules. Where they have rules. Because follow what they, they prescribe for this kind of interaction. Yep. So Rana says my DDLM altar also includes playing cards and a rubber duck as things to attract them, not as offerings exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Things that yeah. are are meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have pictures above our ancestor altar that yep. are of homes, and I think we have some I, some uh, some things that we're decorating my grandparents' yep. home. Just things that draw them in and yep. things that are familiar. With an ancestor, an ancestor altar is different from a deity altar. Mm-hmm. In that, in it, in it, with a deity's altar, you are establishing a space of worship, right? Mm-hmm. With an ancestor altar, you're just trying to make them feel welcome and, and comfortable. comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to make a comfortable space for them to work with you through. Exactly. It can be a little space. It mm-hmm. can be a big space. Whatever it is. It can be as dramatic or as homey or as whatever as it needs to be. It can be completely. As long as it's doing the job of helping you connect to your ancestors. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I guess, is the sort of work you do with your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are sort of two major things that people generally do with their ancestors. Right. One is divinatory consultation. Which, which we, we did, did recently. Yep. Um, we talked about that in the last episode. That's right. That's how I got my job. Mm-hmm. And great need. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they wanted you to get this job, so that you could offer me to <laughs> offer me. <laughs> that is correct. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, their primary, I guess, reason for doing ancestor work is to get access to them for divination. Mm-hmm. Wisdom. You, wisdom. Yeah. You get sort of different answers from ancestors than you would if you were just asking the tool, right? Like right. I often mm-hmm. just ask the deck. 
mm-hmm. what its advice is. Right. Or from a god, because they all have different priorities. Mm-hmm. Right. Your ancestors, as a general rule, if you work with them regularly, are the people who are most interested in looking out for your individual well-being. That's right. The gods sometimes are not interested in your individual well-being. Sometimes they have bigger plans, right? That's right. And so the <laughs> advice they give you maybe isn't great for your individual well-being, or they have, you know, they want you to go through some shit. Your ancestors almost never want you to go through some shit. Your ancestors are generally, like I said, if you have a good relationship with them, are generally looking out for your individual and as much as possible immediate well-being. Mm-hmm. Yep. You get different priorities depending mm-hmm. on who you're asking. And then you can also do magical work with your yes. ancestors. You, and there are sort of different ways you can do that. Mm-hmm. There, You can ask your ancestors to do something specific for you. Mm-hmm. Or... You can ask your ancestors to intercede on your behalf mm-hmm. with some other force. Mm-hmm. And those are different technically, but they look very much the same when you're doing them, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I hate to say this again, but it basically is just asking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Like, do the things that draw their attention and then tell them what you need to happen. And sometimes you can also just ask them to come in and witness what you are attempting to do in your circle. Like, Sure, the same way you can invite a god or whatever to witness and not participate. To witness and not participate. Or you can ask them to participate if if that's what you need or desire for them to do, or if they desire to do Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, a lot of times you can just ask them. We invited the ancestors in when we did our syncretic ritual. Mm -hmm. And they came more as as witnesses. Just to be present. present. (laughs) Just to be, present. just be president of this ritual, please. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there are precedents where you can uh, ask them to, if they are willing to lend their energy yeah. to what you're doing, based, you know, based on what it is you are attempting to do. Lucas M points out, I find they act as extra protection while working. Yeah, exactly. That's again because your ancestors are care about. You. Yeah, they care about your individual well-being. They so are, like, they want you to be safe and and well. It's like they're an extra layer of circle yeah. in your circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like having a bunch of bodyguards. It is. It's great. <laughs> and they will absolutely beat out anyone they don't want to be in there. That's right. Yep. That's absolutely uh, right. With sticks if necessary or throwing chairs or however they most preferred to do their violence. That's right. Bouncers, says Lucas M. Yes, exactly. Bill points out that his ancestors are part of his household protection. There you go. Yep. Absolutely. Propitiations, essentially. When you're mm-hmm. asking an ancestor to intercede with you, mm-hmm. this basically just looks like a prayer. You're just aiming it in a different direction. Right. Right? So, like, when yeah. we were doing the spell for when you had cancer, right? I called on a bunch of our ancestors. Did you call my grandpa? Yes. Because he was a healer. Yes, exactly. He was, he was a physician. Yes, that was what, specifically why I called mm-hmm. on him. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember specifically what you did in the ritual. I just remember it was very moving and I cried. Yeah, yeah so I called on some <laughs> deities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I called on a deity that I knew and worked with mm-hmm. to introduce me to some other deities who were more specifically geared for this specific thing. Right. But before I did any of that, I called in the ancestors who I felt were closest to you mm-hmm. and who would have the highest interest in your well-being. Mm-hmm. And I called on all the ancestors I knew who were healers mm-hmm. or were involved in that sort of work. And I asked them to to specifically intercede through the doctors. Did you call my Aunt Marie? Yes. My great Aunt Marie? Awesome. The deity work was important, but 
even then, that came after I called in the ancestors mm-hmm. and asked them to stay with you and look after you, or in the case of the ones who were specifically doctors themselves, mm-hmm. to go to the doctors and make sure they did their fucking jobs right. That's right. And so, like, yeah, I was also doing magic and stuff, and sure. I was calling on deities, but my personal opinion is the ancestors were doing the heavy lifting on that one. I agree. I agree. That's it's, it? Yeah, I think that's pretty I much everything I have. I think that's pretty much working with ancestors really is, like, just ask them to do the thing. Yeah. And see what they are willing to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do a, a back and forth. You have to make an exchange. They'll want something in return mm-hmm. for doing this. Mm-hmm. Although generally speaking, they will not want as much as a deity would yeah. in exchange yeah. or, or another spirit. Because like I said, they're interested in you being okay. That's right. All right. I think that's everything. All right. And so we're now ready to stop the off. recording. You, you have to do all your stuff. Oh you yeah. Stuff so first. you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> He's in a mood. Uh-huh. <laughs> Finn says, just Google. You can find us on Twitter. <laughs> you can find us all three individually on Instagram. Hypothetically. <laughs> Squeaky says, look, you already found us. You know how this works. <laughs> you can go to our website, the number three, pagansandacat.com. That's the number three, numerically, pagansandacat.com. You can also find us at a bunch of other places, which, guess what? You can Google that shit. <laughs> We're on YouTube. <laughs> Redbubble. Patheos. Yeah. And we haven't thanked our patrons, so thank you, patrons. Thanks, patrons. Yes. yes. I think we did at the beginning. Maybe not. Well, we said hello to our new To kitten. our newest secret kitten. Yes, yep. and we said love. Yeah. We love our we kittens. We do love our kittens. So. And and Bill points out that we lurk at Arts and Craft, too. Yeah. That's true. We do <laughs> lurk at Arts and Craft if you want to actually see us in person. In, in real physical <laughs> in the In the real life. All right. Yep. Now, All right. I control the... Oh, the oh. <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.